You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. I, I had an opportunity this week to be reminded of um, how incredibly special youth pastors are. What a distinct calling that they have on their life. Because I don't know if you know this about teenagers, they're crazy. No, certifiably nuts. My wife and I, we had a chance to go on a seven and a half hour field trip with some kids this uh, Wednesday and Thursday in a bus. And, and, and let me tell you something. There are some things that no man should ever have to experience or smell. And so we, we experienced all of that in our glory, in their glory going up to um, Washington, D.C. I kid you not, there was, a, there was a moment, it wasn't just a moment, it was a long moment. For an hour straight, these teenagers were playing this game called Would You Rather. How many of you have ever heard of the Would You Rather? It's a game from hell. <clears throat> And so the, the idea of this is, would you rather do this or would you rather do that? So here, li- literally, this is one of the would you rather questions that one of these um, just insane kids came up with. Would you rather have your skin be purple or would you rather have really bad body odor? Um, so see, see what's happening. Some of you guys are answering that question in your head. <laughs> Don't play their game. But they're they're asking questions like this. And another one, I kid you not, they said, would you rather have an eyeball in the middle of your forehead or would you rather your belly button have a mouth? (laughs) And then a kid asked this, well, does that mouth have saliva? So like they're thinking about it, (laughs) like contemplating it. And dude, future leaders, it's just, it's just so what I did, and Chandler, tell me if I'm lying, I came home late Thursday night, and the first thing I did was I got to my kids, and I said, I'm so sorry, <laughs> right? And because I've been one of those dads, and, and maybe some of you dads are like this, I'm one of those dads that's like, act your age, grow up. And, come on, please have one more, thank you, sir, thank you. And guess what? They have been acting their age. They've been acting. So like when they're still laughing about farting noises, it's okay, I guess. Now, if your kids are still, they're okay. If, you're, if your husbands are laughing about it, that's a different story. All together, we'll pressure them. Some of you are looking at it like your husband. Like, yeah, you know, still laughing. So, so this trip, it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, a trip just because, but it was a seven and a half hour bus ride because we have some of our kids from our Grace Covenant Church who got to lead worship at the International Convention for Foursquare. Um, there they are. There's a great picture of them in worship. Uh, here's 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 the uh, the Rat Pack right there, going on up in the bus and and then and then so. We're in Washington, D.C., and my wife thinks that's the great time to show them um, the Foursquare gangster sign. Um, there we go. Yes, Foursquare. <laughs> Represent. When you're walking in D.C., it's not always a good idea. What's up, Holmes? <laughs> Foursquare. But that's them. And so this conference, you got, I want you to picture this. I, I don't have the great, I don't have a real good image of it. But think of thousands of pastors from around the world. I mean, we had pastors from 
Africa. We had pastors from the Middle East. We had pastors from South America. We had pastors from from Europe. We had pastors all across the world. We had African Americans. We had we had Hispanics. We had whites. We had men. We had women. And they were entering into the worship house. They were entering into his throne room of praise. They were worshiping God with all that they had. And here was our youth leading them into that throne room of worship. Let me tell you something. How many of you guys have ever experienced a moment where you have just let loose in worship? Where lo- worship has consumed you? C- come on, we're four square. Somebody say yes that they... they that our worship blows you away because of the power of the moment because you are worshiping the Holy One. You're worshiping the Alpha and the Omega. You are worshiping the Creator God, the lover of your souls, the one who, is, who is, has pursued you since eternity began. And when we enter into worship, how sweet a moment is that? Amen. And you get to experience it too. Not just on a trip to Washington, D.C. Not at a conference. Not even this morning as the team led us into worship, but you get to worship God and move into that experience tomorrow. When you wake up and that alarm clock goes off and with your eyes still blurry from sleep and you're trying to find that that holy, anointed, spirit-filled cup of coffee. (laughs) And then you drive to a place that many of us think of as a four-letter word. A place called work. It's at that very place that God is calling you to move into passionate worship of Him. God has called us to worship Him with all that we have at our place of work. Maybe that place of work for you today is is college or high school or or maybe even middle school. Maybe that place of work for you is, is in your home. Maybe that place of work for you is, is in Charlotte. Maybe it's around here. Wherever that place is, that place of work is a house of worship. God has called us to look at work completely differently than everybody else. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 puts it this way. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like worship. That I'm supposed to give thanks to the Father because of what Jesus Christ has done. And what the Bible is telling me, if I'm reading it right, and tell me if I'm reading it right, that whatever I say, whatever I do, whatever I put my hand to can be an act of worship to God. And if we start to read Scripture as Scripture is, how many of you know that might change our perspective of what we got to do tomorrow? That when I recognize I don't just come to church to worship, but my worship follows me wherever I go. You may be a business owner this morning. You are a worshiper first. You, you, you may work for a school. Let me tell you what you are. You're, you're a worshiper first. You may work accounting. I don't care where you work. You are a worshiper first. And where you go, your worship follows. Whatever we say, whatever we do, we're called to do it for the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Work willingly. <laughs> How many of you would say that's sometimes hard to do? Amen. That we, we begrudgingly sometimes work. 
But he says to work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Amen. Here's some good news for some of you this morning. Your manager is not who you work for. <laughs> How many of you, when you think of your manager, you, you kind of get cold chills, right? Lisa in the first service raised her hand and said, yeah, I just... <laughs> When we, when we look at our boss, sometimes we're like, I don't want to work for this guy. And if, you're, if you are a boss and you own your own business, this was one of the favorite things I always used to hear people say. My dad, who was a business owner, man, you're lucky. You don't, ha- you don't have to work for anybody. <laughs> I would say, no, I've got 100-something customers that I'm working for. And sometimes what we do is when we're working for people, we see the person. Scripture says No. Don't see the person, see the one that you're worshiping. That whatever you're doing, worship Jesus. You're doing it for him. And let me tell you something. If I gain that perspective and I force myself to view work through that perspective, how many of you would agree that it would change the way I work? It it, it would change my passion for my job. It would change my character at my job. It would change the way I see people at my job. Because now I'm seeing worship at work. He says, and remember in verse 24, that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. How many of you have ever gotten a good gift from somebody? I'm so sorry for some of you guys. No gift at all in your life. Can we get you something? (laughs) We've all been given a good gift at some time, right? Can you imagine what kind of a gift it'll look like when it's an inheritance from the Lord? You're not working for your savings account. You're not working for your retirement. You're working for an inheritance. You are God's child. And what you set your hand to, the behind the scene, the why of worship is not just because God is great and his glory um, just shines throughout. And so you want to worship. That's important. But he's also storing up for you an inheritance where one day you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, I love and I think all of us would agree that when we have a job review, um, just a performance review at the end of the year, we love to hear our bosses say, hey, you did a good job, right? That's one of the things we like to hear. How much more so that we're going to hear from him. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You worshiped me with your life. Write this down in your notes, if you would, this morning. Every human being is blessed with talents and abilities. And as we put our abilities to work, we honor God with our lives. Every single person in here has talents and abilities. Those talents are demonstrated in so many different ways. We have educators. We have mechanics. We have all kinds of individuals who work at different things. Firefighters, police officers, all with talents and abilities. But whatever your talent is, whatever your ability, whatever God has designed you for greatness for, understand this. God wants to use it. God wants to use it, and he wants to do something that maybe would blow your mind. Maybe it would change your perspective of what work really is all about. Write this down, if you would, in number one, because we have to redefine how we see work. We have to rethink what work truly is, and the first thing we need to see is that work is a blessing from God. Some of you, you, it's going to take a lot of convincing, because you're looking at me like, yeah, right. 
But it's true. Work is a blessing from God. But I'm going to be honest with you. I never, I, I, I thought, to be honest, for early on, I thought scripture taught differently. I saw work as a result of the curse. That we work because, well, you know the story, right? There was, God created um, Adam and he told Adam, hey, you can eat the fruit from any tree in the garden, but just not the tree, the fruit of, of knowledge and evil. And so, and, and, and so what did Adam do? <laughs> the very thing he wasn't supposed to eat, he, he ate. How many of that reminds you a little bit of your kids? You can tell me you can play with any toy you want in your room, just don't go in your brother's room and play with his toy. What toy is that kid going to go play with? His brother's how many of you, when you see like oh, a sign that says wet paint, you want to touch it? How many of you do touch it? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's fun, right? Um, that's kind of what we do. And so that's what Adam did. He ate, he ate of the fruit. And, 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 and so after that, God confronts Adam. And I want you to listen to what God says to Adam. He says, because you listened to your wife... <clears throat> We're just going to keep going. And ate fruit. <laughs> ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you not to eat from it. Now listen. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. It, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Until you return to the grounds and from it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you will return. So obviously, obviously, right? In Genesis chapter 3, it's telling us that work is a curse. Until I read what came before Genesis chapter 3. And it rocked my world a little bit. Genesis chapter 1. Listen to what it says in verse 28. God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and what? Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He says that God blessed them with a task. God blessed them with a job to do. And now before you, you start to think, wow, that's kind of a stretch, Jeremy, what I want you to hear is also what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says that the Lord God took the man. Now remember, this is before the fall. This is before the curse. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So before sin entered in, God created work for man. Therefore, anything that God creates is good. If God created it, it is good. And so there's something good about man working. There's something good about putting our hands to the plow. There's something good about engaging in those things that are productive. And I believe it's because God uses every area of our lives as a place of worship of him that it's not relegated to a sunday morning it's not relegated just to when you're doing a bible study it's not relegated when you just come to church no your workplace is a place where god desires to manifest himself your workplace is a place where god wants to move and he wants to use you in the middle of that listen I want you to write this down. First Peter chapter four, verse 10, because this isn't just 
an Old Testament thing. This is a New Testament thing too. It says this, that each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Listen, the way that you work can demonstrate the grace of God. The way that you work demonstrates God's grace because it demonstrates his power. Listen, I want you to understand this. Write this down as number two. Work is the opportunity to live out the sacred in the marketplace. It's the opportunity to live out the sacred in the marketplace. So sacred, when we think of the word sacred, we think of maybe anything that has to do with church, right? It's kind of how people think, well, it's got a church in the Bible, sacred, church is sacred. And then the secular is, is anything that's not involved um, with our faith. It's what, how we would see it. And, and as a people, what we do wrongly is we differentiate between the sacred and the secular. We say the sacred is over here. My job, which is secular, is over there. Sacred, secular, and they're different. I want to challenge that notion this morning. And I want you just to hear your identity. Not not your job title. Not your position at work. But I want you to hear your identity. Listen to what the Lord says about you. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are a holy people. You are a royal nation. Listen, you're a priesthood. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds sacred. You are a sacred people. And wherever you go, you bring the sacred with it. So as you enter into the secular, into the workplace, the sacred doesn't stay over there because you're not staying over there. You bring the sacred there. The sacred and the secular are never differentiated because God has placed you there. Listen, you're not only a sacred people, but you're a sacred people with a sacred calling. You're a sacred people with a sacred calling. I want you to, I want you to hear what that calling is. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here's what happens though, people. And it's tragic that this happens. Sometimes we say, well, that's the pastor's job to go preach. Man, no way. God has called you to be a preacher. God has called you to be an ambassador. Do you not realize the place that God has put you? Do you not realize I will never, most likely, ever have the opportunity to meet the people that you do? I will never have the opportunity. And even if I did, I can't do it as well as you. Because you're preaching with your lives as well as your words. You're preaching as you worship God with your work. And there's something different about you. You're not one of those employees who who spends out of eight hours, four of those hours on Facebook or Instagram. Because you're actually, how many of you know someone like that? But instead, you're working because you're working as unto the Lord. How many of you would say it would be obvious when there's an employee who doesn't engage in gossip, doesn't engage in negativity? 
How many of you guys would say there's something different about that person? And so when you worship God at work and you are so different, people are going to begin to ask you questions. What is up with you? And it's at that moment you can begin to tell them, I'm worshiping God with my life. Listen, that job is your job. That's not a job for anybody else. God has a sacred calling on your life, a sacred mission a mission for you because you are a sacred people. God's called you to be used by him. Number three, work is a means through which we live our lives as worship to God. We've talked about that. Work is a means to worship him through our lives. Colossians 3.23 uh, 3, through 24. Let me read that again. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever job it is, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. It is him that you are worshiping while you work. And number four, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Number four, work is a place where our witness can impact others. Work is a place where our witness can impact others. You know, here's what happens though sometimes. And I understand this and I get it. And, and because I, I, I've, I have felt this way myself. Man, I, I want to make a difference at work. You know, when I, was, when I had a, a, a job that was um, not church work, right? I, most of my life I'd done other kinds of work. And I wanted to make a difference. But you know what? I was, um, I was scared I didn't have the right words to use. Like, how do I say what I'm feeling and, and I'm not eloquent and, and God, I just, I'm not, I'm, how do I, I don't even know if I can do this. I want, to, I want you to hear a promise, a promise. Marty talked earlier today, it's Pentecost Sunday. We're, we're on this day, thousands of years ago, the, the disciples in the early church were up in the upper room and the Holy Spirit just came in power, right? So remember that today. Listen what the Holy Spirit will do when you are willing to be used by him despite how you see yourself. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witness in Jerusalem, all over Judea, all over Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to hear this. You will receive power when you get more experience. You will receive power when you know the Bible a little bit better. You'll receive power, you know, when you learn to be eloquent. I, I don't read that there, do you? What he says is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he is going to enable you, equip you, and release you to do the stuff of dreams. Amen. Because there's some people out there who need a dream. There's some people out there who need a God-sized dream. And so that's where you're at. And that's why he put you there. I mentioned in the first service, and I mentioned just a little bit ago, I, I didn't always work in a church. And I remember when I first came to the Lord, and I was working for a company, Whirlpool, putting in appliances, at, you know, apartment complexes or wherever it may be, homes refrigerators, dishwashers. And man, I was just, I was like passionate about God. I just got saved and I'm like, ah, give me something to do, God. I'm still that way sometimes. Ah, passionate about him. 
And, and so this company, I would load it up in a truck, and I'd take the truck, and I'd drive to the job site, and we, we'd get the work done. And sometimes we'd be short-staffed, so they would send a temp. And he would come work with me for the day. And so they sent me a temp one day. And uh, kind of a bigger guy. You know, he's got like the, the neck tattoo, right? I don't, I, listen, I don't care if you're four foot two, 90 pounds. You got a neck tattoo. I'm scared. I'm just like, whoa, this person, something's wrong. And so here's this guy. And, and the Lord is like pressing me. Tell him I love him. Lord, he's got one of those. <laughs> he burly. Uh, and how many of you guys have ever, like, you know God has told you to do something, and and then God just doesn't let you, like, be okay not doing it? He's like, continues to, hello, I told you to do something. I told you. And so all day long, tell him I love him. Tell him I love him. And so we're in the back of the truck. We're, we're getting the last of it all cleaned up. And uh, I said, so, so, I'm, I'm I got to tell you something. He's like, what? I said, well, so, God told me to tell you that He loves you. And then I backed away. <laughs> and here's this big, burly, neck tattoo man who just begins to weep in the back of the car, in the back of the truck. And he goes, listen. I just got out of prison for murder. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> True story. And, and he said, and I just can't believe that God can still love someone like me. And right then and there, in the back of this whirlpool truck, this man gave his life to Jesus Christ. Well, hold on. Let me let me let me tell you something. The words that I spoke to him, and and, and, and the you know the, the prayer, salvation, all that stuff, it probably sounded like it was coming out of a preschooler. I mean, I didn't know what the heck to say. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't grow up in the church, guys. I'm like, do you love Jesus? Yes. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, I love you. Forgive me. Amen. <laughs> I had to sound like that, but you know what? all the angels in heaven began to rejoice because one person came home. So here's what I'm saying. It's not about you. It's about how God wants to use you to touch a world that needs him. And you know what you got to do for this job? Show up. Just show up. Show up and be willing to partner with God for the miracle that's about to happen. Would you close your eyes this morning? God, I thank you that you are so creative that you could even take work and make it a place of worship. You can take my job and make it holy ground. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends in here today, whether it be their job is school, whether their job is out in the marketplace, wherever it may be, God, I pray that they would see their job with new sight. They would see it with new vision. They would see it a sacred ground. And Lord, I pray we would be a people of boldness. That yes, we would invite people to church. Yes, we would do that. But more importantly, we would be a people who takes the church to them. So God, I just pray for boldness, courage, and passion for you 
I pray we would be a people moved by you, used by you, because we're a people loved by you. And all God's people said. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.